Let's stand again. Let's open our, our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to kick off this series. I'm going to tell you as we go through it how this is going to work over the next several weeks. I believe Proverbs is essentially important to the person who was raised in a home that didn't pursue God. Because many things you discover in Proverbs are things that if you lived around Christians, they demonstrated in their life. I believe it's essentially important to the Christian who has problems in areas of their life. And they're kind of going through life and there's issues going on and they're not having victory in places where they should have victory. And they, and here, here's our, our error, we kind of get used to it. We kind of get it, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Instead of saying, no, God has something better for us. So listen to, uh, to this in Proverbs chapter 1 as we begin to look at this book over the next weeks. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and, and you'll hear this again throughout this message. Wisdom is about how to act. It's about how to, re- how to respond in circumstances. Uh, you might call it common sense, the world would call it. But it's how to react, how to, how to conduct our life, what's important. To know wisdom, to know how to act, to know what's important, to know what should go on in life. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Uh, this book helps us understand the rest of the Bible. To receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity. This book is a mentor to us. To give prudence to the simple. That's, that's people who don't, you know, maybe they have a sincere heart. They're, they're simple. They have a sincere heart, but they don't know how to act all the time. And all of us can be that way in certain er- in, in, in areas of our life. That, that may be somebody completely. They're just a new Christian. They love God, but they just don't know how to act. They're, they're sincere, but they don't know what to do. And it can be the, a long-term Christian who has an area in their life where they haven't learned how to act in the wor- through the Word of God. So this is a to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase their learning. So this is, so I, I've, got, you know, I've got it down pretty good. Well, then increase. And to the one who understands, to obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, I pray today that you would, uh, as we start this series, that, Father, in the days and weeks and months ahead as we look at this book, that, Father, you would let us grow in wisdom. Let us, as a church, grow in wisdom. Let us not remain in foolishness and error, but let us grow in wisdom, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been around somebody who was really good at something? I mean, they're just really, really good at it. Maybe you have something in your life that you're really good at. I mean, some people are, uh, you know, they're really good at baking. And boy, if you, if you eat their cookies, you just want to eat more and more of them. The other night, Renee brought some cookies home that somebody had made, and she said, I only brought six. I said, why? She said, because you can't stop eating them. You know, they're just, they're, they're just gifted. And it's, it's almost like an art form to them. And it may be a specialty thing, like they do cookies. It may be a broader thing, like they're a baker. Uh, or they make certain types of pies. Maybe a fisherman. I mean, he just knows what he's doing. He's gifted at it. He's, he, he, he has put it together. Maybe somebody in sales or, or maybe a carpenter who can really do exquisitely fine work. And, and you can tell the difference between that really artistic carpenter 
and somebody like me who just takes a, you know, and bangs things. They're, they're, they're artistic at it. These are artists in their area. God wants us to live life well. And yet some Christians seem to struggle in some basic areas of their life. Maybe it's in relationships. And they, they just continually struggle in that area of relationships. Maybe it's in their career and they just continually struggle in that area and never seem to have real victory in it. Maybe it's in handling money. They may be a fine Christian, love God, great worshiper. Maybe they can teach a Sunday school class. But in their personal finances, it's just a mess. And there's stress and there's turmoil. Now, all of that can happen in relationships or career or money or many other areas uh, simply because of how we were raised. Maybe we were raised in a way where those things were not addressed or maybe we were raised in a way where the people who raised us and our mentors didn't do it well. And so we just kind of, well, this is the way relationships are. This is the way, uh, you know, you handle money. This is just the way it is. And, and you're just kind of used to it, kind of there. Society can impact us in those things. Society can impact. Our sin nature can impact us in those areas. Our bad teaching can impact us. In areas, and so all of a sudden, we've got this. Pl- these, maybe the Christian, the one who's born again, loves God and has a lot of good things. Maybe, again, great worshipers, great people of prayer, and yet they've got this one place that just is a thorn and a problem and an issue that they never seem to overcome. All of these things can work together. Uh, all of those, the sin nature and bad teaching, society, the way we were raised, all of them can work together to destroy our lives or to destroy segments of our lives. And we can choose to be ignorant in them or we can choose to say, other people don't have these problems, why do I have them? Other people don't have this stress with their kids, why am I having stress with my kids? Other people aren't having stress in every job they have and Other people don't get fired every couple of years. Why do I get fired every couple of years? You know, other people don't seem to be having trouble with their finances. Why? Why am I having trouble with my finances? Why am I struggling? What's the the deal? And, you know, the simple solution is, well, nobody, I just don't make enough. Well, you got to look and say, well, there's there's people who make what I make, and they don't seem to have this struggle. So, So what's the deal? See, if something isn't going the way you want, you need to check out Proverbs. You need to start looking. Okay, what does the, what does the book of Proverbs say about this issue? What does it teach me about this area of life? Because what I'm telling you is, is this is where you discover the art of living. Proverbs teaches us how to be master life livers. Think about it. you got a master carpenter or a master chef. Proverbs is about us learning how to be master livers so that our life is lived with fruitfulness and purpose and that we overcome the temptations and the, the foolishness of our lives without God. So Proverbs is there to do. It's how to see and do things with excellence. So over the next weeks, that's what we're going to look at. Now, the book of of Proverbs, a couple of years ago, we were two years ago exactly, in the summer, we went through uh, just a a week-by-week thing where we chose major sections of, of the Bible, and we did an overview of the different books so you could have an an understanding of them. And this is really, really important is for you to have an understanding. And I I would encourage you, if you don't have, I would would imagine most people here do, if you don't have a, a Bible that has like a full life study Bible of some sort that has a description of the book and what it's about when it was written 
and what its theme is and what it's about at the beginning of each, each book. You need to get one. Well, that's gonna, get a good leather bound. It's going to probably cost you 40 or 50 bucks. But I'll tell you, it's well worth you getting because you want to have a foundation of what I'm going into here. The book of Proverbs has been described as a collection of collections. There are various writers identified in the Proverbs as you read them, and some are left unidentified. Now, the primary author of Proverbs is Solomon. So here's what's going to happen. Over the next five weeks, we are going to look in depth at chapters 1 through 9. And, and we, are, we are changing our Wednesday night structure. And here's what's going to start happening on Wednesday nights. We're going to take a series at a time, eight to ten weeks, and we will be offering several classes like we have been, but they'll all start at the same time. And we will run for eight to ten weeks in those series. And then we'll take a break. Sometimes it'll be a two- or three-week break, and we won't even be at church. We'll just take a break. And we'll, we may do other things on those Wednesday nights. We may not do anything on those Wednesday nights, but do some things on Sunday night or Monday night. We may be doing other things during the week. And then we'll come back at the end of that break, and we'll hit another series for ten weeks. Right now, so we're starting this with this six-week series. Then we'll take a short break. Then we'll come back in three weeks, and we will do the rest of Proverbs. And when we look at the rest of Proverbs, the first six weeks, the first nine chapters, is dealing with the importance of wisdom, the importance of understanding. It's like a father or mother speaking to, the ch to a child, telling them what to do, and it's giving us, it's laying this concept, it's a preface or an introduction to the concept of wisdom. It's the call for us to study. It gives us some practices on how we can study and know wisdom. It tells us and teaches us how to avoid the pressures of the world that would distract us, things like peer pressure and the pursuit of wealth or other pleasures. It gives us these things, and, and, the, and we'll, we'll break that down over these next six, six weeks so that we really have a, a good concept of this idea of the pursuit of wisdom and how to do it and what it should look like. Now, after we get done with that, we'll come back, and if you get to chapter 10, you get into these chapters where it's just uh, verse after verse after verse after verse of standalone topics. Some of them kind of tie together. Some of them are just a collection of sayings. And what we're going to do through those verses is we're going to pull out the key lessons that run consistently throughout that about things like wisdom or righteousness or sexuality or money or relationships and we're going to pull out all of those verses from the different chapters and combine them and bring them together so we get a real clear look at that topic. So instead of us reading, oh, well, this is this about how to have a relationship, and then you go a couple chapters, oh, this is this, we'll, we'll, we'll put them all together so that we can really dig kind of deep and, okay, what does the Bible say about our relationships? What, what does Proverbs say about it? Now, the main author, of course, is Solomon. Solomon authored three books in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and the Song of Solomon. It's thought that he wrote the Song of Solomon as a very young man, that Proverbs was written in his middle years, and Ecclesiastes was written when he's an older man. And uh, most of Proverbs are identified as Solomon's Proverbs, as his teaching, and they would have been written during his time when he reigned as king from about 970 B.C. to 930 B.C. Then, so then we'll begin to really look at those from that last week of June through August. That'll be about a, an 8 to 10 week run. And we'll really dig deep in, into chapter 10 and going forward at that point in time. Now, the purpose of Proverbs is spelled out at the very beginning of the book. 
Let's go back and, and listen to this again. And, and you're hearing what is the purpose of this collection. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Somebody's compiled these, and most likely somebody has written this introduction under the inspiration of the Spirit. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, un obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and, and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen to that. You're here tonight because you want to be instructed. God bless you. You're not a fool. Fools despise this kind of stuff. They despise being challenged to read the Word. They don't want to do that. They just want to go on with their life. Fools despise wisdom. They despise instruction. That's one of the makeups. They don't want to be told not to do something. They don't want to be told. Here's one of the great statements of a fool. I want to learn it on my own. Listen, I'm telling you, this is going to hurt you. I don't want to, don't tell me anything. I want to I want to learn on my own. Well, that is just absolutely foolish. That's foolish. You know, I, I'll, I'll eat this. If it's poisonous, I want to learn on my own. No, you don't. You really, you really don't. You want to learn from somebody else. And the more we can learn, this is what this book's about, it's to, for, for us to learn. So there should be a hunger in us to learn. Now, the goal of the Bible is always wisdom. The goal of us reading the Bible is always, should always be wisdom. It's not just about knowledge. I, I would have you to be careful. Somebody says to you, wow, you really know the Bible. The real question is, has the Bible taught me how to act? I know people who have doctorates in theology, and they've got about as much wisdom as comes, that would come in one of our communion cups. I mean, they, they, it's, it's not turned into anything. They can spout stuff off and quote stuff, and yet they can be rude and insensitive and unkind. They're not generous. They're selfish. They're mean-spirited. They, kind of, they can be kind of mental bullies with people. They have no wisdom at all. Kind of push people around and jump on people. The goal of knowing the Word isn't to show off our knowledge. The goal of knowing the Word is that the Spirit of God can take that knowledge and turn it to wisdom so that we learn how to act. The teacher that gets this becomes a wiser teacher. The businessman that gets this becomes a wiser leader. The husband, the wife that gets this becomes a wiser person in their home. The husband and wife become wiser with each other because they are learning the art of living, how to act, how to conduct themselves. So wisdom is, is the end game of everything that we study. We don't just go study something just to get, you know, I want to spout off more Bible knowledge. I, I just... You know, it's just about me learning something. No, I, I want to learn how to act. This whole thing is about helping me learn how to act, to move in my life, to bring right conviction, right attitude, right spirit, transform me by the living water of the Word. And so we're, when we read the Word, when we center the preaching of the Word, one of the questions that should be going through our minds is, God, what are you teaching me? One of the dangers is to sit there and go, I hope my husband's hearing this. I hope my wife's hearing this. Oh, I wish my son was here to hear this today. No, no, no. Stop. I, that, that's a warning sign. I should stop right there and go, God, for some reason, I'm not hearing what you have for me today. I'm thinking about somebody else. 
Wisdom is about how to act. In verses 2 through 6, we get this twofold purpose of the book. And then verse 7 gives us the motto. Practical wisdom for living is the central theme of the book of Proverbs. Knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is applying knowledge. This is common sense stuff. Practical application is the key, is the key. All of us have some wisdom in our background. We do some things wisely. Most all of us probably have foolishness in our backgrounds. Maybe we've ignored it, and, and it, it continues. Maybe we've had great examples, but every person can learn if they open up the book of Proverbs. The trouble is, if you think you can have common sense if, if you think you have common sense and your life is a disaster, you really don't have it. You know, oh, yeah, I, I'm a little, I've talked to people. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know I, I haven't studied the Bible, but I have common sense. And life's a disaster all around them. Well, why is your life a disaster? Well, I had some bad luck. Yeah, you had bad luck because you did bad things. You did, you did dumb things. You did, you did foolish things. You did evil things. You did wicked things. And so now life's this disaster around you. Sometimes this happens because people think, well, people have just been unfair to me. Things have just happened. And, and the question we've got to ask ourselves is, why is it always happening to me? Why is this area of my life always a disaster? So this is the first thing that this book is talking to. It's looking right to these issues of our life and trying to help us overcome in those areas of our life so we begin to live life with some new freedom, new peace of mind, new peace of heart, and knowing how to act instead of acting out of emotion or acting out of culture or acting out of selfishness. We begin to learn how to talk and how to act and how to respond and how to think about things, how to see the issues of life. Now, here's, here's where the motto comes in, and here's the second part of this thing. That the beginning of wisdom is fear of God. It's fear of God. God calls himself our friend. God tells us he loves us. God invites us to come in to relationship with him. But friend, it is a huge mistake to lose the sense of awe of who God is. The sense of, I, I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to come in here respectfully. I've got to walk before him respectfully. I, I've got to... Uh, live a righteous life before him and, and treat him with respect. He, he's, he's a God of power and of wisdom. And don't forget God is a God of judgment. The world, the world really struggles with this concept about God. They look at the Old Testament and they say, how can anybody worship a God? You know, the Old Testament's a fair warning to every person God is a God of judgment, and when your sin reaches its full potential, that judgment is going to come. God loves us, but when we're wicked, judgment's going to come. Hell is still an option. And we want to we put, how could God say anybody? Because God is righteous and holy, and we're not. And we better come before him uh, with this idea that God is a God that by his grace, he loves us. But what we deserve is his judgment. Now, he's a wise God. He's a loving God. But we need to understand that we need to come before him thankful for his love, fearless because of his love, but respectful because of his power. Respectful because of his power. When we talk about God being all-knowing, that means he knows everything, all, all things. 
When we think that God doesn't think like us, we've talked about this before, God doesn't think like us because we think to figure things out. We think to plan things. We think, okay, when pastor's done, I'm going to go out of here, I'm going to get in my car, uh, maybe I'll get two or three of my friends and we'll stop by someplace and get some ice cream on the way home or get something to drink on the way home. Or maybe let's go, I've got to go by the store. We kind of plan things out. We think to plan. We think to figure things out. We think to do all this. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything that's going to happen. He, it's, it's all done. God doesn't think like us. And God is all-knowing, which means he knows my thoughts before I think them. He knows my heart when I'm trying to cover it up to everybody. He knows it. He knows whether my motive is about building my kingdom or about building his kingdom. He knows the motive of the words that come out of my mouth when I teach you and talk to you and preach to you. He knows the motives of the heart. And he's not just judging the words that come out of my mouth. The words that come out of a preacher's mouth, they may be right on, they may be spotlessly true, and the motive of his heart may be completely corrupt. So we tremble before God, and we check ourselves, and we we seek him to help us walk in the right way. This book is to give wisdom to learn how to act to the young and the lacking, This book is to give wisdom to the wiser, to the wise, and they will become wiser still. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says this, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They They do not know over what they stumble. Think about this picture. God says if we're righteous throughout our lifetime, there should be a growing wisdom and brightness to our lives. We shouldn't stay the same place. We should be getting better and better. We should be getting wiser and wiser. Our actions should be get, becoming more and more like Him. We should be growing until by the time we're old, we're not grouchy old men and grouchy old women, but that there's a, a brightness about us and a light about us and a strength about us uh, that we become pillars inside of the church and, and, and kind and loving and selfishness is pushed aside. We shouldn't become cranky and old and selfish and what's wrong with everybody else, but we should be gracious and merciful and kind because the grace of God is making us brighter and brighter, not uglier and uglier. Well, it's about time I get my way now. No, that's not the Christian. That's not the, the this, it's how do I serve more? How do I do more? Now, the wicked, says here, the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness. It's, they're running around doing the wrong thing, convinced they're doing the right thing, and they stumble, they fall, they mess up, things get tore up, and, tear, and they don't even know why. They don't even know why. They're, they're tripping over something. Why did that happen? Was that, why is this going on? Why am I messed up like this? They don't, even, they don't know what's making them stumble. Can I tell you, I, in my years, I've been around some parents who brought their kids to church, but they were pretty wicked and selfish and self-centered themselves. And as they got older and the kids got older and the kids began to pull away from them and walk away from them and stay away from them. They, they, why, why aren't my kids honoring me? Well, for the last 18 years, you've been manipulating them. You have been selfish with them. You have been mean to them. And they, didn't, they don't even know it. See, this, is, this is dangerous ground to walk in wickedness. So this book will help us in life. And so we encourage you to to read it daily. Now, here's what I would encourage you to do right now. First nine chapters of Proverbs. Uh, if over the next month, as we go through the next five weeks, just, just read those chapters. You know, just read a chapter a day. Read nine of them. And go back. Read it again. Go back and read it again. If you have questions as you read it, if you don't understand something as you read it, then, you know, 
text me or email me those questions, and one of our team will talk about them, about what's, what that means. But just begin to pray as you read it. God, help me understand this. Help me, help me get what you're saying as my Father to me. Help me apply this to my life and understand it and get it. Now, there's power in reading a, verse, a passage over and over again because it begins to seep into your life. And what happens is this. You will unconsciously, without forethought, begin to understand a value and begin to apply it in your life, and you'll begin to say it. And you won't even, you'll begin to wonder, where did I learn that? You learned it from the Word. The Word brought it alive to you. And it'll begin, to re, it'll begin to show itself in your life. So if you really want to get into this, begin to read these chapters. Just read a chapter a day, you know, nine days, and go back and start over. Now, how to view Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs gives good advice. Uh, Proverbs is not to be uh, debated with. If it says the righteous acts this way, the wise man acts this way, the fool acts this way. The evil person acts this way. The wicked person acts this way. You can't sit there and go, well, I know it says that a fool acts that way, but they were mean to me. No, it's not talking about how, it's not talking about how that person treated you. It's talking about how are you going to treat that person. And so it's, it's good advice. It's healthy advice. It gives us clear direction. And we've got to look at it and say, this is what the righteous person does. This is what the wise person does. I want to be in that group. So it gives good advice. The advice is good. It's right. It comes from God himself to us. Number two, Proverbs are not necessarily promises. It, it speaks in general, big general terms, uh, the book of Proverbs does. Now, you can find some promises in there, and there are, we'll talk about that in a second, and you can find a principle that maybe someplace else in the Word, it backs it up as a promise. But, you know, when, the, when, when Proverbs says, you know, the righteous man will live long life, we've all known righteous men and women who for whatever reason in God's economy did not live what we would call a long life. Jesus didn't live a long life. Jesus lived, he was in his 30s. Almost all of the disciples, with the exception of John, died prematurely because they were martyred. So it doesn't, when the Bible says, okay, the righteous person's got to have an easy path, a simple path. It's, it's giving us this general principle of how to, how to keep from hurting ourselves, how to keep from causing ourselves problems. We live in a far, fallen world, and the enemy's going to attack us, and things are going to happen in this world, but we want to live in a way where we're not self-harming. Are you hearing me? So when you read this, be careful when you grab it and say Is it a, it's a promise. It, it, it may be, you may find the rest of Scripture supports it as a promise, but it may just be a principle. And so that doesn't mean I want to do it any less. I don't want to do it any less. I want, there's, there's other things that go along with it that I want in my life, and so I want to hang on to that principle. Uh, number two, or number three rather, Proverbs sh- show how the kingdom of God works. It's how the kingdom of God works. So we want the blessing of God's kingdom. We want the fullness of God's kingdom in our life. We want the fruit of God's kingdom in our life. And, and I always like to try to make this clear. It's like if you go to a country, if you travel from the United States of America and you go to another country. I remember before the Iron Curtain came down, we went to Poland, and they told us as we went into Poland, listen, uh, when you're preaching or teaching, you can't get into politics at all. You just can't. Just, just preach the hope of God's Word. We, they, they, and they told us, they said, listen, we know, we've known, a lot of these people come here for years and years and years, 
we know there's a spy for the government here. We don't know who it is. We don't know who it is. But they come ask us questions that only a person who sat in our services could know. And so you understand. I can get up and talk about things here I couldn't get up and talk about there. You understand, you're in a different kingdom. You're in a different kingdom. You get caught with marijuana here, and one set of things may happen to you. In other countries, really bad things are going to happen to you. You better know what kingdom you're in. This is teaching us about God's kingdom. What we want to do is we want to leave the earthly kingdom behind us. How we learned how to act in this kingdom. We want to accept the wisdom of God and walk in God's kingdom. This book is all about teaching us how to act in God's kingdom. It also, the Proverbs show us how the kingdom of the world works. So here we are. We want to learn how to act in God's kingdom. We become aware of how the kingdom of the world works. Why? Because we're in the middle of it, and it's easy for us to walk in it. We want to, we want to resist that temptation. Now, you've got two kingdoms in conflict. When you begin to act in the kingdom of the world, or when you begin to act in the kingdom of God, and you're faced with the kingdom of the world, there's going to be conflict. We've got to make the, the out-and-out choice. You know, when they curse me, I will bless them. When they hate me, I will love them and bless them. I will not be a part of the kingdom of the world. I will be different than the kingdom of the world. I won't be a part of it. I won't make excuses to continue on my sexual sin. I won't make excuses to steal or to lie, uh, even though everybody else is doing it. I will live inside the kingdom of God. I will learn how to act. I won't continue down this path because that's the way I've always seen it and the way it's always happened. I'm going to learn how to act inside the kingdom of God. I'm going to resist the works of the kingdom of the world. Proverbs reveals wisdom, how to act, foolishness. So we won't be fools. You know, I've never really met anybody who wanted to live a life of a fool. And if you live your life outside the kingdom of God, you're living a foolish life. And Proverbs at times gives us promises. Uh, as I said before, they're backed up by the rest of Scripture, uh, but there they are. Now, here's, here's the other thing about Proverbs. Proverbs work like rain. The Bible says the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you do what the Bible says, the blessing, the, the results of you doing that will still work in your life. You'll still find that coming. Come, that this happens in our speech. If I learn how to speak wisely instead of foolishly, even if I'm not living for God, I still get the results of, of the righteous speech and the, the way that I'm talking is, and the relationships. If I, if I learn how to conduct my relationships, I will still have blessings. So this is why you see people who live in the world and they're not Christians have areas of their life where they're doing very well. They may be doing very well in money. They may be doing very well with, the, with raising their kids. They may be, but there, there's some truth of God's kingdom that resonates through that. And then you see the destruction of it when they start doing things that are foolish. And it destroys it. But Proverbs looks, works like rain. It's going to work for all of us. So, you take a simple verse like iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. So you, get, you, you sit and you look in the business world and you see men and women who get what we used to call mentors, they now call coaches, that coach their life and help them get better at business. This is a principle. People working together, you're going to get better at stuff. You're going to get better at stuff. You try to go it on, you're going to have to learn it on your own. You're not going to get better at stuff. There's some of these principles that work uh, con consistently uh, throughout our lives. So we, we'll look through that. Here's another one. Do you see a man skillful, skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So you see 
a person who's very skillful musically, maybe ungodly as they can be, but they're very skillful in their music, and people rush to see them. They rush to be around them. A skillful athlete, a skillful doctor. You know, people, you know, I, I would rather have a wise doctor who wasn't a Christian than a foolish doctor who is a Christian. Are you hearing me? Because just because he's a Christian doesn't mean he knows what, doesn't mean he's learned how to do things the right way. Now, I'd rather have both. I'd rather have a Christian who is also wise. But we've got to understand this about this, this principle. Uh, uh, you know, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself cry out and not be answered. Well, there's a principle for you. You want God to answer your prayers? When you see people around you in need, answer their need. Meet their need. Now, let me, let me stop right there for just a second. I spent some time today with a man who is uh, pretty knowledgeable about uh, needs in Springfield. And I was asking him a bunch of questions. And I, I asked him about the panhandlers in town. He, he said, yeah, I know most of them. I know most of them. And I was asking some questions. Now, the homeless in, in town, tell me about some of the, the deal. What, what's, what's really the percentage of those who are just had a bad set of circumstances and those who have addictions and those who have mental health issues? He said probably 80% of them are people with either a are people with addictions and mental health issues. He said then, of that 80%, 60% of those are addiction issues. He says there's only about 20% that just had, you know, they're down on their luck and there's, there's a lot of things we can do for them. This 80% are really hard to help. And so I asked him, I said, what about all these people? I said, I drive by these people. I said, I'm, I'm homeless, you know, I'm a veteran, I'm this, that, or the he goes, Pastor, I'm telling you, he said, almost all of them, it's addiction issues. Almost all of them. He said, some of them aren't even homeless. He goes, I know some of them, and I know the apartments they live in. I know the houses they live in. He said, here's the sad truth. They can stand there on the street and make about 150 bucks an hour. No taxes, and most of it's going back into their addiction. I said, what should people do? He said, they should give to the shelters in town. They should give to the places in town that really help people. He said, don't give money to people on the, on, on the street. Now, I think that's wisdom. You know, I, I, I feel bad when I drive by those folks, but when I know the truth about what they are, and I know that there are places they can go and get help, then it kind of changes my opinion in it all. So, so we learn. We want to be sensitive to the poor. We want to help the poor. We want to help people in need. We want to be a blessing to people in need. We want to do all of those things. Now, I'll, I'll, let me keep, can I go down this bunny trail just one more minute? Every now and then somebody will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, I've got this friend, I've got this neighbor. They're going through this, first, this crisis. Can we help them? My standard answer is always this. What church do they attend? What church do they attend? And they'll, they'll name a church. I'll say, okay, uh, you want to help? I said, we're going to call that pastor, and we're going to ask what they're doing to help them. We don't want to jump into the place of what their church should be doing for them. Now, if their church is small and struggling, they can't help them, and we can come alongside, we're going to come alongside them through the church. We'll, we'll help that church help them. We'll help that church be a blessing to them because they go to a church that preaches the gospel. If they go to a church that doesn't preach the gospel, all bets are off. You know, we're gonna, we're, we want to present the gospel. Uh, and then if we can help them, then we'll do it. Now, here, here's, because you know, so they'll say, well, why, what do you feel like? I said, well, we probably have people in our church who have the same exact need. Why should we meet the need of somebody we don't know that's going to a church that should be meeting their need. When we have people in our own church, we should be helping meet their need. Does that make sense? And so when you, when you sit, now you may feel led to 
should go mow somebody's yard for, you know, two months while they're going through a surgery. And they may go to another church. God bless you, do it. You know, you're not trying to get them to come to Calvary. You're not trying to take them out of their church. You're just trying to bless them. You know, you just, just be used in that way with that person. But when the church gets involved, we need to do it the right way, which should be through the church that they attend. Now, if they don't go to church at all, and we can show them the love of Christ, then I'm all for that. Let's show them the love of Christ. Let's, let's gang up on them. Amen? Is this, does this make sense? Okay, so that's whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. That's good news, isn't it? So we, we, we just find these principles throughout the Word. So as you read Proverbs, it's necessary to identify the promises and the principles. Many are general and universal principles which are relevant to all people at all times. They apply to everyone like gravity applies to everyone. These things come like child-rearing or family life or friendships. Laziness works the same way uh, upon the unsaved person as it does the saved person. Uh, just because you're a Christian, if you're a lazy Christian, you're going to have the same problems that, a, uh, that an unsaved, lazy person has. Uh, it happens the same way in all these social obligations, wealth and work. Proverbs is about how to live a life the right way. It helps you avoid making a mess of things yourself. So we approach Proverbs as a mentor, as a coach to our life. And when we do that, we grow brighter and brighter. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to look at the intro to Proverbs. Then we're going to take about eight to ten weeks and really break down some of the principles. Does this sound like fun? All right. Let's stand together and come down around the altar, and we're going to go home in just a minute. We had an issue a few months back that uh, I found myself praying, saying, Lord, as a church, we seem to keep having this issue. This is an issue we keep kind of cycling through and having it. Lord, we shouldn't be doing this. What's, what's the deal? God, give me wisdom. And I'll tell you, the Lord just showed me two or three things very quickly that I said, I'm changing all three of those things. Because when you, when you recognize I'm having a problem where I shouldn't have a problem, the book of James says, if any among you lack wisdom, ask it of God to give it to all men liberally, and it will be given him. Here, here's a prayer I want, us, I want us to pray. I want to, I want to encourage you in these next few months to pray that prayer. Say, God, show me any place in my life over these, next, over these next days and weeks, right now if you want to, show me any place in my life where I am not applying your wisdom in my life. Let me see places that are trouble places that I need to get wisdom in and then begin to show me wisdom in it. And, and God, help me to start thinking like you think. Help me, when I look at the key issues of life, let me think like you think. Listen, can I tell you? God is not confused about abortion. He didn't have two opinions. And you have people who are Christians that seem to have polarizing opinions. God's not confused about it. God's got one opinion. God, God's not confused about immigration. He knows how we should think and feel about immigration. He's not confused at all, and yet you got people who call themselves Christians polarized on this issue and other issues. We need to be praying, God, let the church become a church of wisdom. A church of wisdom. You go back in the 1960s, you go back to the 1860s, and you had Christians polarized over the issue of racism. And to some extent, there are churches that are still on polar opposite views. God's not confused about how we're supposed to see each other. He's not confused about how our hearts are supposed to beat for each other. 
That's because foolishness has gotten in. And we need to be praying, God, let us have wisdom in all areas of our life. Some of you have had people hurt you. You've had people wound you. You've had things happen. God's not confused about how he wants you to treat them and how he wants you to feel about them. And there comes this point where you may have to pray, God, give me, give me healing so I can do the right thing. So before we go home tonight, I want us to just take about two or three minutes. I just want to encourage you to say, God, give me wisdom. Show me any place where I need it, that I don't have it, and help me to start thinking in every issue of life like you think. Amen? All right, just take a moment and pray, and then we're going to come and pray and we'll dismiss. Father, we cry out for wisdom tonight. We ask you to reveal yourself to us. We don't want to think like the world thinks. Father, we don't want to think like our culture's taught us to think. We want to think the way you would teach us to think, Lord. Father, we don't want to act out of foolishness because of this is the way we've always acted. We want to act out of wisdom, Lord. And I pray you'd show us, just show us any place where we're being foolish. Show us any place, Father, where we've accepted evil in our life and wickedness in our life. Show us any place, Father, where we're not doing what you would have us to do. Remind us of right voices. And, Father, we pray voices that have taught us something else, that their influence would dissipate in our lives and the fullness of your truth would reign in our spirits. Oh, God and Jesus, let us see prayer the right way. Let us see your word the right way. Let us see others through wisdom, we pray. Let us see our enemies, those who harm us, those who betrayed us, those who've hurt us. Let us see them through your eyes instead of the eyes of our flesh. Let us see them with wisdom. Let us see the poor with wisdom. Help us, we pray, and guide us in Jesus' name. Father, tonight we just lift our hearts to you and we recognize that on our own we cannot be a people of wisdom. But Lord, you've told us to cry out to you that if any man asks for wisdom, it will be given to him, that you will not hold it back from any of us, but will receive wisdom. I pray for the men and women in this room tonight that new wisdom would come into their life in whatever area they need it. Father, if that's in a work ethic, Father, if that's in money, if that's in relationships, if that's in how to deal with people who are ugly towards us, help us to be wiser still. Help us to rise above all the fray of the enemy and be used of you to walk in wisdom and shine brighter and brighter throughout our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I love you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight and may his wisdom be yours. Seek it out. Seek it out. God bless you.